0: Before we look into God's word, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we have thy word. We're so thankful that we have the witness of the spirit that brings alive the words on the page for us today. We're thankful that thou art yet gracious to hearts young and old who are still willing to humble themselves before thee, and to receive that unspeakable gift of salvation from thy hand. We're so thankful that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, not only suffered and died for us, but rose again for our justification and for new life, that we can join him in a new walk, in a new life. Heavenly Fathers, we would look into thy word now this afternoon, we would pray for thy spirit to be present among us now, to instruct us and teach us, and to give us a word fitly spoken. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. As the brother was meditating this morning, uh, my mind went to a uh, portion of scripture in the New Testament, in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. So if you would turn there, the 10th chapter, (coughs) 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'd like to start reading from the first verse and to read a, a portion of this chapter. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant How that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted neither be idolaters <clears throat> neither be idolaters as were some of them as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day 3 and 20000 neither let us tempt christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. I'd like to conclude with the 15th verse. we read in the portion of scripture that we just finished in verse 11 the key to all of these things the apostle Paul simply says now all these things happened unto them foreign samples and they are written for our admonition those are very useful words to us in this current, latter day and time that we live in. The account that we've read, the one that even my children are familiar with, we could easily assign to the distant past and to think no more of it. I don't imagine any of us here have seen the water parted in the way that it happened for Moses. Or have seen the Lord manifested as a fiery uh, uh, pillar or as a, a pillar of cloud. None of us, I don't think, have seen the Shekinah glory of God that came and filled the temple. Or the tabernacle, I should say. Or has seen armies smitten by an angel. But the things that we read there, it says, are for our examples. So what is it that the Lord wants us to learn from from those accounts. Brother Edmund already touched on one lesson this morning. How quickly they forgot. How quickly they became unthankful. How quickly they lost their focus. There are many parallels between the life of a Christian and the account of the ancient Israelites. We, too, were in bondage. We, too, were under a cruel taskmaster that wished for our destruction. But the Lord sent a mighty Deliverer. Our Lord Jesus Christ, our Kinsman Redeemer, was sent to free us from the bondage of of sin and Satan and to lead us out to lead us out and to eventually lead us to the promised land. But like the Israelites in the wilderness, we are not there yet. We have not yet arrived at the rest that has been prepared for us in the final sense of the word. We are still walking by faith. We have not yet seen all of the promises of the Lord in fullness. And as such, we're also tempted along the same lines as the children of Israel. It's easy for us to forget. It's easy for us to murmur. It's easy for us to be unthankful. It's easy for us to fall back into old patterns like they did. We need to be aware of all of these things. Though the children of Israel had left Egypt behind them, had left bondage behind them. Unfortunately, they carried with them in their hearts some of the things that were in that land. As it happened when Moses was tearing up in the mountain, speaking with God, receiving the commandments of God, and the children of Israel were waiting... He tarried, it says, took a long time to come down from the mountain, and so the children of Israel fell back to their old ways. Idolatry was the norm in ancient Egypt. There were statues everywhere and festivals for the different gods and so on. They paraded statues through the streets and had great monuments set up in their cities, and so the children of Israel thought, we need a little bit of this for ourselves, I find it interesting how it, how it happened. You know, they didn't try to build what ancient Egypt had back where they left. They just built a little bit. We'll build a, a small god. Isn't that often the way it is with the Christian too? We don't fully turn back and go right back to Egypt or try to replicate Egypt here, but a little bit of what they had there to have that and to make it for ourselves. The temptation was, let us make unto us gods like the other nations. And that's so dangerous for us in these times. We lose sight of the one who's rescued us, the one who is leading us. And just because we're not going somewhere or don't seem to be making any uh, headway, That's not to say that God doesn't want us exactly where we are. And so we look around us and we try to borrow what the other people around us are doing. We adopt some of their thinking, some of their values, some of their priorities, some of their aspirations. We too would like to be comfortable here. We too would like maybe a little bit bigger place, maybe a little bit nicer neighborhood, maybe a newer car, maybe a little bit more acceptance with my peers, maybe to be a little less different than the people around me, maybe to be able to laugh along with their jokes a little bit, or to watch the movies that they watch, or listen to a little bit of the music that they listen to. It's those little things that begin the dissatisfaction. I heard a definition once for idolatry, and I I quite like it. It makes a lot of sense to me because I don't think the temptation for us in these days is to bow down in front of a god made out of stone or or wood or some precious uh, uh, metal. I heard it described like this. Idolatry is looking to something other than God to supply. When you stop and think about that for a little bit, that hits a lot closer to home than rules about carving images or, or, uh, or, or, or sculptures to bow down to. Looking to something other than God to supply and to supply anything. I'll give you an example. It <clears throat> can be as simple as you're driving in the car somewhere, it's quiet, and you're feeling a little restless. A little uneasy. Maybe you haven't been really in the word all that much lately, or it's been a hectic week, or you had a disagreement with someone. And instead of, in the quiet, turning to the Lord and asking him to work that out of you, to work in your heart to show you where the issues really lie, instead we flip on the radio or pop in a CD. Do something else, anything. There was a need there, and we've looked to something else to fill it in. Perhaps it's something as simple as church attendance. <coughs> we know we really should go, but, you know, it's, it's been a tough week, or there's some issues, or I just don't want to deal with something right now, so we choose something else. Again. There was a need there, and we're filling it in another way. We're looking maybe to recreation or to uh, some time to decompress as an excuse to avoid perhaps being under the conviction of the word of God that we really need. I'm not saying this from the position of a preacher preaching to a congregation. I'm saying this for myself as well. It's very, very easy. It's very easy to grow impatient with uh, our lot in life. And to look to other things to, uh, to make up for the lack. Those little ways in which we, in our heart we turn back to Egypt. Instead of saying, God, you know my situation. You know every detail. He knew that they were going to need water from the moment they walked through the Red Sea. Three days later, the Israelites were not telling the Lord anything new. That they were in need of water. But what was it? Why did he, why did he allow them to wait? Three days before he supplied. There's a song that we sing sometimes. When we reach the end of our hoarded resources, that's when the Father's full giving has only begun. We need to be emptied first to realize we really have a need. And that in seeing that need, that we turn to the one who can fulfill it. These things were for our example, it says in Scripture. These things are explained to us when we look at the man, Jesus Christ. Verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. In another place, it talks. It says of our Lord Jesus Christ that He was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Christ is our perfect example. The way that He lived, His pattern of life, His style of behavior, His attitudes—all are there for us to model. We have the bad example in the children of Israel, and we have the good example in Jesus Christ. This is what the Lord was trying to teach his people, that they would learn to look to him. Jesus could say, I do always the will of my Father. I only speak the things that my Father gives me to say, and I look to him in every circumstance. Jesus Christ was no stranger to hunger. In the the first set of temptations that we read about when he went into the wilderness. So interesting, that same wilderness perhaps that the children of Israel had wandered through as well. And he was there, it says, for 40 days and nights without food, without drink. That must have been a powerful hunger, a powerful thirst. And when Satan approached him and said, Look, if you're the Son of God, take these stones and make them into bread. You have a need, a legitimate need. You have access to the power do something about it but no Christ was no idolater he was not going to look to his own power to supply he realized that the lord had brought him into that wilderness for a very good reason and if he was going to have bread the lord knew that he had need of it and he would also supply that need but the temptation is so innocent at times just take it you know what what needs to happen here If we think back to uh, Jacob and Esau and uh, Jacob's mother, Rebecca, she knew the prophecy. She knew what was to happen. So she decided she'd just take a little hand in it and nudge it along. Not looking to God to supply. The Lord would work it out. He always does. The problem is he doesn't seem to do it according to our timetable. He is totally aware of our needs. And what a blessing it is to think that our Lord Jesus Christ also had upon him flesh and blood, that got tired, that got hungry, that experienced every uh, uh, appetite and urge that we, are, that we feel in our flesh. He experienced it all. I don't think there was a single thing that he was not tempted with that, uh, that, that we don't also experience. He was no stranger to these things. But the key, the key, every time that hunger came, every time there was that that inclination, right? What did he do? We see it with Peter. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, be it far from thee that, that you should suffer death. And his answer to Peter was, Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savorest not the things of God. You don't have an appetite for the things of God. You're looking to your flesh to supply your need. You don't realize what's really going on here. So, when we consider the ancient Israelites and their travels in the wilderness and their repeated failures, surely we can relate at least to that part. Does it not also happen to us that we find ourselves making the same mistakes? perhaps not to the extent that the Israelites had, uh, had made, but really no different. Really no different, right? We get upset over the same kinds of things. The same person or people rub us the wrong way. We need to look at them and at the situation through the eyes of Christ to see them and to see the situation as he would see it. To realize what is really going on here when our needs are not being met could it be that the lord wants is, is is calling us to turn to him with our needs instead we would prefer to grumble at moses pick someone else and say this is your fault the lord knows our needs There's a few verses that stood out in particular to me. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. There's a stern warning for us. That's a very serious warning. If you want to read a little bit more about this, read in Hebrews, where it talks about those who were not able to enter into the rest that God had prepared and the reasons for it. It says they entered not in because of unbelief. And we're told as believers to be careful of that. To be careful lest we should lose our faith. And murmur and turn back. We have access to the same resources that our Lord and Savior had when he was here. All of the things that he had available to him to overcome, we have today as well. And in some ways, maybe even more, since we have the whole balance of Scripture recorded for us. Every tool is available to us, but so often we don't reach for the right one. I remember kind of a funny saying, for those of you that do, some, do work on your own cars or uh, around the house, there's a tool called a vise grip. It's like a set of pliers. It's got a knob on the back, and uh, you can tighten the jaws, and then when you squeeze down, there's leverage there, and it really clamps on hard, and that allows you to grab a part and move it if it's stuck. But it's really easy to wreck things with those vise grips too, to strip the head off a nut or, or, or to do some real damage. And uh, I once heard it said, someone was saying that yeah, whenever I reach for the vice grips, I think, now you're going to wreck something. Now you're going to wreck something. Well, why is that? Didn't get the right tool. The right tool is probably there. I'm, I'm good at this, too. I've got the right tool down in my shop, but this one's closer, and so I grab it, and then I do something, and I think, ah, oh, now I just made more work for myself, because I ruined something doing it. God gives us all the tools we need. But do we go into his toolbox? We have it all laid out for us here. But instead, we think in our, in our earthly wisdom, we maybe have a faster way of doing it, an easier way of doing it. Instead of looking to God's word and see, well, what does God say about this? What is, how would Christ see this problem that I, that I have? It feels good sometimes to blow off steam and then justify ourselves later But is that really using what Scripture teaches us? Or would we be guilty alongside Moses of of smiting the rock instead of speaking to it? That rock was Christ, it says. We just read it. That rock that followed them in the wilderness, that impossible rock, the rock that was dry and yet could give life-giving water for millions. Amazing. A miracle. A miracle that they saw more than once, that out of that rock gushed clean, pure water. I think that's so interesting because, again, that, that rock did not deliver until the right moment. And if the people had been patient, had been willing to turn to the Lord earlier, perhaps they would have received refreshment a little bit earlier. But the people again turned to the wrong source. That's how it is often with us. In our culture where so much is available to us, we have access to so many things. And now perhaps more than at any other point, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, you can entertain yourself, you can find something to titillate your senses, you can find some. Uh, uh, amusement to, uh, to, to amuse you. I think back when it was just broadcast television, you were kind of limited to whatever was there. Now with the internet, it's all available, past, past and present, the latest and greatest immediately on your computer if you really want it. Sad. Empty cisterns that can hold no water, and we pass up that rock that is the source of that life-giving water. From God it's a good rule of thumb for all of us and something the Lord's been convicting me of as well how hungry am I for the word of God really hungry for the word of God or would I perhaps you know sometimes we can justify ourselves we say well I'm listening to a sermon or I'm uh, uh, reading an excellent book or I'm you know all on spiritual things with good good messages for me but those things are meant to augment the word of God, not replace it. It's easy to hear another brother meditate on the word of God and not instead to take it for myself in my own hands and to wrestle with it and to look and to search and to find at last that life-giving water coming out of the rock. I'd like to speak a moment to the young people about this thing as well. God's word is not necessarily always the easiest to understand. Don't fool yourself by thinking that if I give a more up-to-date translation, that that's suddenly going to uh, uh, unlock uh, all, the, all the mysteries of Scripture, and if I can just read it in a little bit different way, suddenly it's going to be like a light flicked on. No. The Word of God will open itself to you only through careful study and sincere seeking. There's no way around that. There are things in there that are hard to understand, but there are some things that are so beautifully simple as well. There's something in there that will speak to you at every single point of your need, if you will seek it out. We have such a blessing to be able to hold the word of God in our hands, to be able to pick it up whenever we will, and yet how often do we do that? How often, when we have a spare moment, do we turn to something else? Is that why, perhaps, the benches aren't all full? Is that why our witness at our place of work or school is maybe less effective than it could be? Have we been soaking ourselves in the Word of God to the point where it just naturally comes out of us when we were speaking with people? People. The chapter goes on to speak about Christ and the bread and wine that are the symbols of his great sacrifice for us. They are to be taken in. We won't take the time to dwell on it now, but they need to be taken in. When we worry only about the carnal things like the children of Israel worried about, just about the next thing, about the next thing, they had lost sight of the promised land. Let us not lose sight of that land that the Lord is leading us to, and not to realize that the steps on the journey that we take with him are for our betterment. He already knows what we need. He knows, and as a good father, he longs to give us good things, but he wants to shape in us godly character, a godly attitude, an understanding, a willingness like we saw in Joshua and Caleb that said we are more than able to overcome, more than able. If God is with us, they are bread for us, Instead, we look, perhaps, at the situations we find ourselves in and think there are giants in the land. There are walled cities. There's no way that we, I could overcome or we could overcome. Not true. We have everything available to us that the Lord Jesus Christ did, and we are able, with his help, to live victorious, to conquer. May the Lord add whatever was lacking to the meditation this afternoon. Would a brother please select a hymn? It's interesting to note that the same set of circumstances that caused 10 of the spies that were sent in to spy out the land on behalf of the children of Israel, uh, that same set of circumstances that they looked at and saw as being an impossibility and uh, a... an opportunity to show their real, really unbelief in, in the Lord and his provision. Those exact same circumstances, the journey in the wilderness and, the, and that scouting mission into the promised land caused Caleb and Joshua to look and to see only opportunity. To look at the same set of circumstances, go through the same things and say, it's a good land, it's flowing with milk and honey and the Lord delights to give it to us. What a difference. They both went through the same things. But what was, what, what was the difference between the, the two sets? Simply this, faith. Faith to look to the one who's unseen, to supply the lack. Joshua and Caleb were totally aware of the military abilities of the people in the land. They understood the obstacles. Uh, there's a, a great portion of scripture that I, I, I look at and I, I kind of smile. Caleb specifically asks for the mountain where the giants were, and he was a man of 80. He says, "I haven't lost my strength at all. Give me that mountain. I'm going to take that one. I know what's there, but I know who's the one who's going with me." What a difference in attitude! And in other places, you, 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 you can read about the children of Israel that they took the, high, the the places in the hills and in the mountains, but they wouldn't go down into the plain because that's, that's where the people had iron chariots. That was dangerous down there. And Caleb, in faith, just simply says, give me that mountain where the giants are. I'll take that one. That's going to be my portion. Do we have the same attitude? Do we look at, an opportunity, do we look at a problem and see it as an opportunity for God to manifest his greatness? This is an opportunity here for me to trust God and to look to Him to supply. And He's going to glorify Himself, not because I'm someone special. I don't think Caleb thought that he was some kind of superman that was going to do this on his own. But no, he understood the pattern and saw the working of the one who was unseen, but working among them in a visible way. Help us to, uh, I pray that all of us would have that same type of faith that same living and active faith that would look at problems and not shy away from them but see them as an opportunity for God to glorify himself and for us to be part of it may the Lord bless the words that were spoken Uh, this concludes our service amen